we'd like to welcome you back to part four of our current event and weekly Bible study for January 22nd, 2012. Um, try to get through the end of this PDF. It's up to 30 pages now. Keep kind of adding on. Uh, next article is entitled Vintage Bottle of Ant Poison Labels Fluoride as Deadly Poison. So a lot of times people might say, oh, come on, what, it's really not poison. They wouldn't put it in toothpaste. They put, wouldn't put it in the water supply if it was really poison. Well, actually, in a more honest time, it was labeled as poison, and it still is, and nothing's changed. Um, this is by a guy named Kyle Joseph from Intel Hub. He says, I purchased a vintage bottle of ant poison, which surprisingly had never been opened. I would not want to consume the contents inside the vintage bottle of insecticide, nor would I ever want to use this bottle. But in reality, we have all consumed the contents inside this insecticide because of the active ingredient is composed of 95% sodium fluoride. That's the active ingredient. There's, And I'm looking at the label right now. And actually, I blew up the label, and so you can look at this label. Union Drug Company, Chicago, Illinois. And it's active ingredient... 95% sodium fluoride. And it's not like, okay, then there's 5% arsenic. No, it's 95% sodium fluoride and then 5% inert in ingredients, meaning ingredients that are inert. They, they don't do anything. So it's 100% sodium fluoride is what kills you, in other words. So uh, you, can, you can look at the, uh, the actual uh, label here. Uh, the, the back label reads, this preparation contains sodium fluoride, which is a deadly poison. <laughs> so, okay, it's right there. And then we go further, and it says below that, it says antidote, meaning if you poison yourself with it, it says call physician immediately, give it once large draughts of, 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 in other words, large amounts of lime water or weak calcium chloride solution. Uh, stimulants of strong coffee or aromatic, aromatic spirit of ammonia. Artificial respiration, <laughs> meaning, you know, you got to like do CPR on somebody. Keep lower extremities and chest warm. Digitalis hypodermically. I mean, they're telling you like the medical remedies to, so you don't die instantly. They need, you need digitalis hypodermically. Digitalis is a drug that's derived from the foxglove plant, uh, used in a lot of heart conditions. So you need to take that hypodermically, meaning by needle. Uh, and then it even gives you, and then 10 grams of calcium gluconate intravenously. I mean, it's giving you like the intravenous, uh, like, um, remedy for this right on the bottle. I've never seen anything quite like that. But I guess if it's that deadly of a poison, they really don't want anybody to mess up if they poison themselves with it. So, um, yeah. So if you're curious as to why sodium fluoride is the active ingredient in a vintage bottle of ant poison, the answer is simple because it has patents for it. And it also, it gets the job done. It kills the bugs. Yes, sodium fluoride has patents for insecticides dating back to 1896 when Charles Henry Higby patented the compounds of fluorine. Remember I said that there's five halogens and fluorine is one of them? Fluoride is just a, a derivative of that. Okay, So, he patented the compounds of fluorine for the purpose of destroying insects. Uh, and I've already read you the label here. It's kind of redundant. Sodium fluoride is both a contact and a stomach poison. <clears throat> For this reason, most exterminators know the substance is to work tremendously better on grown insects rather than on larvae because adults have self-cleaning habits, which larvae do not. In other words, they clean themselves, they ingest the fluoride, and they die. 
And we put it in our mouth in the form of toothpaste. And that's why on the toothpaste of any sodium fluoride toothpaste, it will say if you swallow, swallow more than you would normally brush with, the amount you would normally brush with, call poison control immediately. It says it right on the, on the uh, toothpaste. So, you know, that's is why, because it is a poison. And here it is in the mouth, which is the most highly absorptive area of the whole body uh, regarding any substances that you would put in it. You absorb things through the uh, mucosa of the mouth and also sublingually, and it goes straight into the bloodstream. It's just if you do it a little bit, a little bit, a little bit at a time, it's just more of a slow kill. So, needless to say, sodium fluoride is not safe for human consumption, a deadly poison, a patented insecticide. Sodium fluoride is all this and more. How did the public water supplies become vehicles for the delivery of this toxic toxic substance, which is dangerous to both our health and environment as well? The truth is sodium fluoride made its way into public water supplies due to massive, if not astronomical, conflicts of interest. Um, A report dating back to the Cold War, once classified for reasons of national security, brings it to light very valuable information that we must all recognize – The report has been commissioned during the ultra-secret Manhattan Manhattan Project and was to assess the effects of fluoride on humans. Millions of tons of fluoride was essentially in production of bomb-grade uranium and plutonium. If the public had known that fluoride was one of the most toxic chemicals known and that fluoride was the leading chemical health hazard in the United States atomic bomb program, then it would have been pulled, pulled, um, uh, you know, obviously for human consumption. Big industries also play a role in conflicts of industry. Both the aluminum industry and the phosphate mining operations also create toxic fluoride chemicals. These chemicals had at one time been released directly from smokestacks, but this was placed um, on to an end when the signs of the environmental destruction became too obvious. So it was, it was a little too flagrant. They had to curtail that a little bit. Upon well-deserved litigation, polluting corporations were forced to capture the highly toxic gaseous compounds, which soon became accomplished with the installation of what they call wet scrubber systems in the air. The environmental destruction and pollution can now be avoided, but this came at a cost. Industries were now required to pay money for the proper disposal of their hazardous waste. That is until a money-making miracle happened. Should it be any surprise that the first suggestion to fluoridate water came from Francis C. Frary, the director of the Aluminum Laboratory for the Aluminum Company of America? Now, big industries have the ability to not only waive the cost for proper disposal of their hazardous waste, but they can make a profit by selling their waste as a premium product to be inserted into the water supply system and our toothpaste. Uh, Musakoa alone pays $30,000 for these chemicals annually, plus the addition of $13,200 in operational costs. In other words, the city municipalities are paying big-time money to actually buy the fluoride, which they pass on that that cost to you, the taxpayer, so you can poison yourself. And they then they insert it into the water system. I, I, I not too long ago played that clip where they had snuck into the Austin water plant. Really not snuck in. They were taking a tour and they were just secretly recording what they were seeing and they had these pipes of fluoride. They were labeled purple. And these were being pumped right into the Thing And then they were showing wherever the fluoride was, or even the pipes itself, that all the corrosion that was taking place and all of the horrific things that had to do with even trying to store this stuff was just unbelievably horrific. And, uh, I mean, this is, <laughs> this is really just, I mean, it almost leaves you speechless. 
it should also be known that capital cost for the construction of the chemical feed system for the fluoride was on the order of $100,000. Now, that you multiply that by city after city after city after city in the United States and elsewhere, and you can see how much money is actually being made on this horrific eugenics depopulation scheme. A money-making miracle for big industries, but a misfortune for ourselves. Do not allow this crime to continue. Please partake in the uh, surety in the surety of our safety for our water. Participate in a movement to end artificial water fluoridation, which will directly benefit our health and our local environment. Yeah, that's an understatement. Now, there has been people, one of my listeners, a, a doctor, actually lobbied in his town in Tennessee, and they removed it from the water supply. It happened in um, uh, Florida. It's happened elsewhere. There's been a growing trend. But, again, that has been angering the powers that be as well, and now they're getting more aggressive about, you know, resisting it and also um, trying other ways to poison and kill us. But yes, if if there's enough public awareness created, you know, this stuff, (laughs) it is so horrific what it does to you. I mean, it it is just absolutely, it was first used in the concentration camps to create a very docile population among the um, concentration camp victims, and they would go to the gas chambers and and to the death sentences, and really without a whole lot of fight, because it had been taken out of them, a lot of it from the fluoride itself. It burns out the lower brain lobes, which controls your will to resist. As we're going to see, it actually calcifies the pineal gland, and we're going to be looking at that next, this article. I saw this the other day, and I'm just going to give you some excerpts, but it's called Fluoride, Calcifier of the Soul. And it shows a little MRI scan here of a brain in the, in the very center of the brain. It shows the fluoride gland. And in this particular case, this gland is totally calcified. Uh, discovery. The research published in 2001 shows that fluoride deposits in the pineal gland uh, with age and is associated with enhanced gland cal- calcification. Eleven aged cadavers were dissected and their pineal glands were assayed. And this is from the study. There was a positive correlation between pineal fluoride and pineal calcium, but no correlation between pineal fluoride and bone fluoride. In other words, it seemed to have this predisposition to want to gravitate toward the pineal gland in the brain. By old age, the pineal gland has readily accumulated fluoride, and its fluoride to calcium ratio is higher than bone. That's why it's calcified. The pineal gland is a small endocrine gland in the human brain. Uh, it is best known for its role in producing the hormone melatonin from serotonin, triggered by the absence of light, and affects wake sleep patterns and seasonal circadian rhythms. And uh, and it's one of the reasons people get what they call SADS, when, it, when you don't have enough sunlight exposure, seasonal affective disorder. Um, you're not getting that stimulation of the uh, pineal gland. It causes uh, can cause depression. That's why people that live in dark climates... Uh, for long periods of time have a higher suicide rate because of that very thing. It has a lot to do with the pineal gland. Also, we've talked a lot about the pineal gland in times past being, they, they refer to it as the third eye. Now, that's the occult significance, okay? When you have your third eye open, they say that, you know, you can see into the spirit world, and, and this is a very high-level witchcraft type of thing. But that doesn't mean that God didn't put the gland there. It doesn't mean the gland is evil. It actually is very, very important, and I believe that's one of the main reasons why Satan... It seemingly has so targeted this gland with this fluoride. Because they make a good point. Fluoride, the calcifier of the soul. You know, who knows what it's doing to you on a mental type of level? It's, it's hard to say. Uh, but, you know, it's, uh, we know that there's a lot of things that the pineal gland does do. And we're going to, uh, 
look at that next. Uh, the pineal gland is a tiny pea-sized pine cone. It's located near, well, it's a pine cone shape. It's located near the center of the brain between the two hemispheres. Pineal gland cal- calcification is associated with a number of diseases in the medical literature. Number one, Alzheimer's disease. So that by itself could ca- be the cause of basically the majority of Alzheimer's cases. Also, aluminum is heavily implicated in Alzheimer's. Aluminum also has a high affinity for the brain, and they hide aluminum in all kinds of stuff. I mean, the most obvious is just aluminum cookingware, aluminum cans, aluminum containers. You don't want to store, you don't want to use aluminum with your food. You do not want to superheat aluminum and cook things in it. Uh, You don't want to bake with it. You want to try to avoid it as much as possible. And there are cooking type safe pans that they've got out there now, some with a ceramic coating. Uh, even an iron skillet's better than that. I mean, because of the aluminum is what's really, really horrific. Stainless steel, uh, you know, yes, will you have to use some more? Of course, aluminum isn't good to cook with anyway because it's not like it's non-stick. Teflon is horrific as well, and we're, we'll get into that a little bit later as well. Actually, Teflon is a source, I believe, of fluoride as well. Teflon is made by DuPont. Okay, DuPont is one of the, uh, I believe, one of the 13 families of the Illuminati are very, very high up the food chain. They're the ones that supply a lot of the implements of war, the bullets, the, uh, well, the gunpowders in particular, and these types of things. DuPont is a wicked, wicked family. And they're one of the profiteers off war that we had talked about earlier, and one of the ones that makes, has made billions and billions of dollars through that venture. And uh, they are the ones that bring us Teflon. So... Anyway, first thing it causes is Alzheimer's disease. And then bipolar disease, which, you know, which is why then they prescribe things like Prozac and um, Paxil and all these psychotropic meds that so many people are on nowadays. We're going to talk more about Prozac in a second. And then circadian dysregulation. Now, what that means uh, is your sleep patterns being majorly messed up. Your circadian rhythm... um, has a lot to do with that. And then hormone imbalances, hormone imbalances, low melatonin, uh, insomnia, and you can't get to sleep, low back pain, Parkinson's disease, uh, schizophrenia, sleep disorders, and stroke. These are the thing, the side effects. This is what pineal gland calcification can cause. Now, that it has been established that fluoride exposure contributes to the calcification of the pineal gland, the question remains, what are the substantive Subjective effects, these tissue changes, what are the subjective effects of these tissue changes to those who undergo them? Prozac may represent an archetypal example of how fluoride affects the personality or the soul. This drug, chemical name fluoroxetine, did you know that's what Prozac's chemical name was? Fluoroxetine is approximately 30% fluoride by weight. Now, let's do the math. The ant poison was 95% fluoride by weight. This is 30%, so it's just a third diluted product compared to the ant poisoning. So it's not going to kill you right away. It's more of a softer, slower kill, but it'll kill you nonetheless over time. So it's 30% fluoride by weight, Prozac, and marked as a, quote, antidepressant, even while a major side effect of its use and or withdrawal is suicidal depression. You ever heard of the term going postal? When And that was from like, uh, was that the 90s or the late 80s when they had all those postal workers freaking out and they get a gun, they come to work and they kill everybody? Going postal? Every one of those people that did that were on Prozac. So that's where that term comes from. I'm not making that up. That's a fact. So 
it's one of its major effects of either taking it in or withdrawal is suicidal depression. Modern psychiatry often treats depressive disorders as an organic disorder of the brain, targeting serotonin reuptake by any chemical means necessary. Fluoride and fluoroxetine, or Prozac, in fact may accomplish their intended therapeutic effects by poisoning the pineal gland. It's exactly how it's working. Perhaps the primary reason why Prozac causes a favorable, favorable reaction in those who are treated or poisoned with it is that it disassociates that person from the mental conflicts that they must normally suppress in order to maintain the appearance of sanity and functionality in society. If Prozac and other sources of fluoride in our environment deposits within the pineal gland, accelerating the transformation, transformation of the functional pineal tissue into calcification, is it possible that it works by dehumanizing those who are under its influence? Well, let's look at the going postal people. Do you think they might have been a little? Do you think their conscience might have been seared with a hot iron slightly for them to be able to go in and take a gun and just start randomly killing people? No, it, it, it had no dehumanizing effect on them at all. There was no, there was none of that. Why would we ever say such a thing? Um. Going further, and again, this is another reason that they're doing it. It's not just for the depopulation. It's not just for the misery and pain it causes, but it's for it's for what it does to us, body, soul, and spirit, essentially. So, how do we prevent pineal gland calcification? Eliminating expo- exposure to fluoride is the number one priority. We can start by being careful about uh, serotipitous forms of fluoride in Teflon. First thing they have listed, Teflon. Yes, Teflon pans. I'd get rid of them. I'm sorry that a lot of the stuff I, I recommend isn't cheap maybe to do, but I'm just telling you, flat out, you know, that stuff is terrible. And then foods and beverages produced with municipal tap water, obviously, uh, particularly if they fluoride the water in your area, which most do, uh, infant formula, and a lot of times they'll add extra fluoride to the infant formula because they want to kill the little babies the quickest and get them defiled, as we said before. Fluoride, uh, also uh, eliminating fluoride-containing drugs like Prozac, also toothpaste, etc. We have collected a number of studies from the U.S. National Library of Medicine on na- natural, subs- natural substances which mitigate fluoride's toxicity, and there's a little link you can click on. We also have a section on our database dedicated to finding substances which prevent or reverse other forms of pathological calcification, which may have relevance for the pineal gland calcification here. And there's another link you can click on. Lastly, there is research on the potential value of magnesium and phosphorus in reducing pineal gland calcification. Now, that would make sense to me, because magnesium, to a certain extent, competes with calcium in the body. But what Now, they didn't have phosphorus listed, but... Phosphorus really competes with calcium in the body. Big, big, big time. 10 to 1 ratio normally uh, in the bloodstream of calcium to phosphorus, the ratio. And if that ratio gets out of whack, like if there's too much calcium, one of the first things you'll see in people are calcifications, uh, even things like bone spurs and calcifications of the joint, calcifications of the ligament, calcifications of the organ systems. Uh, Sometimes arteriosclerosis can happen. Also, um, tartar on the teeth. That's one of the main things where you're seeing calcium actually precip- precipitate out of the body and this in this form in tartar. Now, what you do is when that happens, tartar on the teeth, you take what they call liquid phosphorus, you put it in a little bit of uh, OJ or juice, and then you just kind of swish it around your mouth for about 30 seconds. It will take the tartar right off your teeth. 
Why? Because it competes with calcium in the body. That liquid phosphorus, which is actually being absorbed sublingually, is actually bringing that ratio back into balance that quickly. The problem is you don't want to leave it in your mouth forever because it literally can take the enamel off your teeth if you leave it in too long. Because phosphorus does compete with calcium. Your teeth are calcium. So anyway. Uh, so, I would say that magnesium and phosphorus would be two remedies for pineal gland calcification. Uh, I have seen phosphorus, even on the skin, put on the outside of the skin, dissolve bone spurs. I've had patients report back to me. I've told them what to do. They take the phosphorus, they put it on the outside of wherever the bone spur is, and they've actually received um, total relief from bone spurs from just doing using phosphorus that way. I think if you do it with DMSO, which is another product you can get at most health food stores, uh, the DMSO drives it into the body, and it'll actually break down the spur better. But um, magnesium, phosphorus, it, it would be, I would say it would be two things you might want to look at. Uh, and then I give some recommendations here. As far as the, ma the magnesium I would recommend, I like using the one from innate because it is literally a food state magnesium or a, a magnesium derived from a food instead of like the cheap garbage magnesiums you'll typically buy in a drugstore or supermarket or even most health food stores. They're inorganic. Um, this is actually derived from a food and they have a magnesium. They're, I think it comes in a 90 and a 180 tablet. I'll give you a picture of it here if you want to see what it looks like. It's from innate. And then also some topical magnesium products, which are good. They're, they're called magnesium oils. They're really not oils, but there's a lot of different really high-quality magnesiums they have now topically that you can put on the skin. And I give you the link to that company that sells them. And then also the last one is the Foss Food, which is the liquid uh, by the professional company that I use. It's um, Foss Food Liquid. And I just said 20 to 30, 30 drops, one to two times a day in juice takes seven days on, seven days off. The reason I say that is because you don't want to do it day in, day out. You want to kind of just cycle on and off it, the phosphorus, because it's a pretty concentrated dose of phosphorus, and um, I, I like to just cycle it in on and off. But anyway, those are some things that definitely could have a decalcification effect in the body that you might want to think about. So, let's go further. Uh, this is a article about chemotherapy in particular, and it's entitled, Cancer Drugs Make Tumors More Aggressive. When natural health advocates warn against the mainstream media's medicine arsenal of weapons used to fight cancer, including chemotherapy and radiation, their concerns often revolve around how these therapies can weaken and damage a person's body in numerous ways. But scientists are finding other reasons to question some of these therapies. It turns out that while chemotherapies may kill or shrink in short term, they may actually be causing uh, malignancies to grow more deadly in the long term. Well, that suits their purpose just fine because you know modern day medicine is all about reoccurring revenue. So there's a report that you can click on here that proves that, and that there were scientists at the University of Alabama in Birmingham or UAB, uh, their comprehensive cancer center, and the UAB Department of Chemistry are currently investigating the very real possibility that dead cancer cells left over after chemotherapy spark cancer to spread to other parts of the body or metastasize. And now comes news that a little explored specific cell type, the parasite, found in what is called the 
microenvironment of the cancer tumor actually may halt cancer pro- progression and metastasis, and by destroying these cells, some anti-cancer therapies may inadvertently be making cancer more aggressive as well as more likely to spread and kill. Uh, let's go ahead and just play this little clip here. I hope I can get all this in. I'm going to play about nine minutes of this clip. Now, this is Mike Adams, the health ranger, on being interviewed on one of Alex Jones's correspondents, and he gets into some things. And again, I, I think I had a uh, question this week on chemotherapy, and he's got a host of links on uh, Natural Health News, uh, his his website or whatever, and he's got a host of links on chemotherapy. I mean, one after another after another. There's no way we could cover it all, but it, this stuff is just pure. Poison, and he's just going to give you a little bit of a rundown. And this is something that, again, very pertinent because, you know, how many families out there have been impacted by family members dying of cancer? And this cult of chemotherapy, where the one lady that emailed me this week said it's like they're all, they're in some kind of brainwashed cult. And it's like you can't, you can't talk any sense into them. It's like they, whatever the guy with the white coat and the magic prescription pad says has to be true. And I said part of the reason for that is also that once somebody goes down the chemotherapy yellow brick road, once they skip merrily down it, and they have a family member die, well, they've got a lot invested in that family member and in that all, of, all that just happened. For them to finally admit and recant that maybe they made the wrong decision. It's something that some people cannot do. Not all people, but a lot of people can't do it. And this is why they bristle when you start bringing up alternative things because they don't want to change the paradigm of their thought pattern that, oh no, maybe I was wrong. No, 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 I can't be wrong. I got, I have too much invested in this. Maybe I have too much pride. I don't know what motivates them. But they're, they're in this mindset like, no, I've got my life invested in this. I've had... This person died, this person died, this person died, and I can't, I've got way too much invested in this to ever admit I'm wrong. I mean, too many people have died for me to admit that would happen. And it's just, it's like incomprehensible. I don't know how to get into their head. I've never been that way, really. I mean, if something's not working, you don't keep doing it. I mean, that's the definition of insanity, from what I've heard, one of the definitions of insanity. Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different outcome. Well, this is what we have with the modern-day medical profession. And, uh, again, let's go ahead and just listen to this clip. And we're back. It's InfoWars Nightly News. I'm your sit-in host, Rob Dew. It's Friday, January 20th. And I have sitting next to me uh, the health ranger, Mike Adams. He's going to come in and talk about a few things. How's it going, Mike? Hey, pretty good, Rob. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for sitting in. Always good to join you here. And you did the uh, the radio show earlier today. How was that? Yeah, as always, super high energy. Tons of news. Couldn't cover it all. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm sure one story that you covered, that we covered last night, was this uh, breaking news. Cancer drugs make tumors more aggressive and deadly. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is this is major research that shows the failure of chemotherapy drugs. You know, doctors always talk about shrinking tumors. And they say, well, this chemotherapy drug will shrink the tumor by 25% or 30%. And that's true. And that's the way they measure the success of the drug. But what they don't tell you is that due to this mechanism that's now been discovered and published in this science journal, this medical journal, that there is a 300% increase in secondary tumors, especially in the lungs, because the original chemotherapy 
weakens the immune system response to future cancer tumor attempts. So in other words, yeah, that tumor, the first tumor you had was decrease in size, mm. but now you have a 300% increase in secondary tumors. And that's why, Rob, the number one side effect of chemotherapy is cancer. Wow. And, and then what, and what do they make can, uh, chemotherapy out of? I mean, again, do you see how this might play into the hands of the medical pharma cartel? Hmm. No, I'm sure that there's no motivation. I'm sure there's no motivation on their part to keep all of the various and sundry cancer cures out there totally suppressed and labeled as quack science in order to keep their unbelievably corrupt, wicked, satanic monopoly of healthcare going. No, there, there's there's no hidden agenda there at all. Anyway, what is it? Well, they're actually derived from drugs that were used, like mustard gas type of biochemical, or I'm sorry, chemical weapons used in World War One, mm-hmm. and this comes out of Nazi Germany. Germany. This comes out of IG Farben and, you know, the, the whole Holocaust era of chemicals and, and crimes against humanity. Mm-hmm. That is the, the grandfather, so to speak, of modern chemotherapy drugs, which are so toxic that they damage the liver, they damage the kidneys, and they cause a side effect called chemo brain, where your brain, you're actually dumbed down. Mm-hmm. It's a dementia-like effect just from chemotherapy. Well, and I've read a lot about... And again, that would kind of, you know key in and play into the whole fluoride, kill, destroy your brain cells, you know, create this dumbed-down sheeple-people population that can easily be led to the slaughter. I'm sure there'd be no motivation there either, and then all of the other toxic things that they're doing to the environment. Um, Again, you can see how wicked and corrupt and totally satanic this whole system really is. It's usually not the cancer that kills you. They never say the cancer kills you. It's always the chemo. He died, but they cured the cancer as, yeah. as a result. Well, you know, and people who survive chemotherapy, they call themselves cancer survivors. Mm-hmm. They actually probably should call themselves chemotherapy survivors. Yeah. And uh, so I wonder how this news is going to affect these people, you know, like the uh, Susan G. Komen Foundation and other cancer groups who are out there fighting. You think they're going to take this research and run with it, or you think they're still going to be bought uh, off with the... Well, let's be clear, Rob. The yeah. cancer industry today is based on a system of lies yeah. and disinformation. So they're not going to take this scientific study that counters their lies. They're not going to embrace that and start teaching people, well, maybe you should use something else. They're going to continue their lies. But importantly, this study, which was published in Cancer Cell, that's a medical journal, mm-hmm. talked about anti-angiogenesis drugs. Right. Well, angiogenesis is the process by which cancer tumors build a blood supply to themselves so that they can steal blood and steal minerals and vitamins and start growing as a larger tumor. That's mm-hmm. how cancer works. But they don't tell you, and Coleman doesn't tell you, that broccoli juice is anti-angiogenesis. Yeah. That kale, that juicing... Well, Coleman also doesn't tell you that the number one way you can most likely prevent breast cancer is just not getting an abortion. And not actually using birth control pills. And we documented that in our recent teaching that we did on good old Susan G. Komen, race to propagate cancer and make sure all women get breast cancer. Oh, oh, sorry, no, no, it's, it's race for the cure, I'm sorry. Uh, but no, it's actually the exact polar opposite of what they claim to be doing. American Cancer Society, you know, Muscular Dystrophy Association, all of these shill devil organizations are all cut from the same cloth. They're not there to prevent it. They're there to perpetuate it and to suck as much money from you as they possibly can, which also kind of uh, indirectly goes back into the medical coffers and keeps the whole lie alive. Eating celery or eating the, the white 
uh, stringy substance inside of orange peels mm -hmm. or grapefruit peels. Not the peel, but the, the right. white part inside. Yeah. Those are all anti-angiogenesis drugs, wow. so to speak, and they don't give you cancer. Yeah, exactly. And and how does this, you know, we're seeing you guys earlier in the year, you and Rob, or I guess last year, you and Rob Jacobson went to Houston to talk with Dr. Brzezinski. Uh, I mean, it looks like we're kind of turning the corner here on, on major breakthroughs in the next couple of years that are actually going to lead to real, you know, cancer cures or at least cancer treatments that aren't going to kill you. Well, I hope so. I mean, I, I think, Rob, those those already exist. The cures are here. All right. You can drive down the desert in Arizona where I used to live, and I would drive by seven or eight cancer cures mm -hmm. as I was, you know, just off the parking lot of the cancer clinic. Yeah. And so people would drive by cures and then go in and get poisoned with chemotherapy. Right, right. Now, Dr. Brzezinski, as you mentioned, is using gene-targeted microdoses of different chemotherapy drugs, but in a smarter way that's less toxic. Mm -hmm. So he's not totally holistic, but he's a lot more intelligent about making sure that the drugs you do get are going to work with your genetic profile. Right. And that's a, that's a personalization of, of allopathic medicine, which has merit. Mm -hmm. But the next step is to avoid the poisons altogether and turn to foods, herbs, natural medicines that, that uh, support your body's ability mm -hmm. to fight off cancer rather than compromising it. Yeah, we're going to have a guest next week, uh, Russell Means, who's fighting cancer right now, throat cancer yes. and I think esophageal cancer. And he's actually, when he came on uh, about a few months ago, he did an interview with Aaron. And from uh, it was about a year from the time that we did an interview with him, and he sounded 100% better than from when we saw him. And, you know, he had just been doing these other, he was staying away from the chemo, staying yeah. away from the other stuff, and trying these other natural cures with some science, some stuff that's going on in Arizona. And so it's going to be interesting uh, to see what happens with his case and what happens with this research. Uh, moving on, uh, another interesting article that we covered earlier in the show, Cyborgs Are Coming from Mail Online, Living Brains Implanted with Electronic Chips to Replace Faulty Parts. Now, this is kind of a separate issue, but I thought it was very important. Another thing about the implantable microchips and the kind of microchips you can actually swallow now as part of your medication regime. Uh, so this is very interesting, this little section here. It's only about three minutes, but I wanted to play this as well. And we all know how that could happen, you know, faulty parts. And I, I love this uh, quote here from Maddie Mintz. Imagine there's a small area in the brain that is malfunctioning. You know, maybe you're questioning the government too right. much, or maybe you, you know... The free will section. Exactly, yeah. you know, maybe you're, yeah, you ask too many questions. And imagine that we understand the architecture of this damaged area. So basically what they're doing is taking electronic chips and replacing uh, different parts of the brain. They're doing this in mice. So what's your take on this? Well, there's this arrogance in technical medicine where they think that they, they're going to heroically replace your God-given parts, your biological parts, with their brilliant mechanical parts that never really work, by the way. The mechanical heart kills you, you know, usually in a matter of days, if not hours. Uh, the, the, the new replacement... Now, hold on. That's not true. I've got a mechanical heart right now, and it's worked, served me fine for at least 20 years, so I have to beg to differ on him on that. No, just kidding. Teasing. And brain parts that they're talking about, you know, those are not going to be as good as the actual neurons that you were born with and that you developed through nutrition and, right. and through living as a human being. So, But there's another concern in all this, Rob. Once they start implanting electronics into human bodies, what are they going to do? They're going to track them. Mm -hmm. They're going to track every emotion, every thought, your sleep patterns, 
they're going to put trackers that track your, your levels of alcohol. They know when you've been drinking too much, and they'll email you a fine and electron, electronically take it out of your debit card in a cashless society. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll monitor. Wow. <laughs> Man, he's, he's getting into some stuff I had never even thought about. But, it, you know, I'm sure that this is how bad it really is going to get. They are going to try to create a cyborg race of people. Not only will our genetics and our DNA will be totally defiled from the vaccinations, the GMO crops, and whatever other horrific things that they're going to be doing to us or are doing to us um, in, in that regard. But, um, but now, with the whole uh, potential for creating cyborgs, meaning implanting us with neural implants and things of this nature, creating a race that has been known to a certain sect of these people as becoming post-human, like the human 2.0, you know, we're going to ascend to the next level. Also has a lot to do with the whole age of Aquarius and us becoming as gods, and when the ascended masters and these types of things come, they're going to want... Uh, humanity to make these certain advances, but it's going to be at the you know cost of uh, great cost. I mean, neural implants and who knows what else will be required of us in order in order for us to become post-human, not fully human anymore. And this is exactly the kind of satanic environment that Satan is striving to create through all of these wicked technologies that are being implemented. So let's go ahead and go further. Your urine, they'll monitor your uh, your blood sugar levels, and then they'll put diabetes drugs into your food automatically. I mean, the, it's it's a nightmare of things that they could come up with once they start tr- implanting electronics into you. Right, right. So this doesn't sound like uh, this is this article here, which on Mail Online they kind of sensationalize things, makes it seem you know like uh, like the Terminator. The Terminator is going to come and. And uh, it's going to make you better, more superhuman. And, um, you know, we've already seen people, they're going to uh, uh, the eye implants where they can get emails inside their inside their irises. And, you know, they're starting to start off with the glasses and now it's moving into the eye. Right, right. So, I mean, where is it going to stop? And, well, that's the thing. They say it makes you a superhuman, but in reality it makes you less human. It definitely makes you less human. The, I mean, the, the far... Now, I will say, since I've got my eye implant, I ha- it's really cut down a lot on my... Um, you know, my time, I'm able to use, I'm able to check emails, I, I'm driving and stuff like that. So, you know, there are there are advantages to these types of technologies, but, you know, I wanted to just throw that in there. Sorry, I can't just help there way you sarcastic. Get from actual biology and the more into electronics and cyborg technology and implants, mm-hmm. the less human you become. You become a machine. Yeah. But that's what society wants, the global elite anyway. They want people to act like little robots. Mm-hmm. So why not just start putting robot parts into your head yeah. or into your heart or into your kidneys and turn you into an actual robot. I mean, that that is coming. You think about war, they don't want feeling, thinking soldiers on the battlefield. Right. They want robots that will do as they're told, that can see in the dark, and shoot civilians without having an ethical question raised. Well, that's why they're always uh, shooting them up with drugs at the end, especially these anti-psychotic drugs, because these guys can't take what they're doing. It's driving them nuts. And a lot of those drugs cause, of course, memory lapse. Mm -hmm. So they don't even remember what happened, which is very convenient for the Pentagon, because then the soldiers can't go on the radio and speak about how they were put in a dangerous situation or abused, you know, chemically abused, for example. Whatever happened to them, they don't even remember it anymore because of the drugs. Right. This reminds me, not even... Okay, so it goes on for a little bit longer, but um, 
I think, you know, we just wanted to cover that part there and, and just kind of give you an overview of what's going on there as far as some of the more implantable. They've got medications now that literally have microchips in them, and they actually, the microchips get in your system, and will there's certain alarms connected with them, and then when your next dose is due, you'll be alarmed, or your physician will be alarmed if you really go off track. I mean, they've gotten stuff now that's just so far out in left field, it's... It's just amazing. Uh, but, again, the technology's there. They're going to keep implementing it, uh, when, particularly if there's really not any resistance toward it. And let's go to the next article entitled, Vaccine Warfare, Texas Airdrops Vaccine Rabies Over 7,000 Square Mile Area. Uh, this is also from Mike Adams, Health Ranger. And... Uh, the weaponization of vaccines just took another leap forward in America. With the recent airdropping of rabies vaccines by the Texas Department of State Health Services, using a battery of small planes based out of Del Rio, Texas, recently dropped 1.8 million edible vaccine packets over a 7,700 square miles of rural Texas. The packets contain edible ra- uh, rabies vaccines dipped in fish oil, sounds good to me, and coated with fish meal to entice foxes and coyotes to eat them. Once consumed, the animal is, quote, vaccinated against rabies, researchers claim. And the guy here, he's actually got a couple of um, packets in his, in his palm uh, of these packets that were dropped. Of course, what these researchers don't understand in their scientific ignorance and arrogance is that they have also engaged in a rabies DNA, RNA, bombardment of Texas. And and you know, it's always about the DNA. As even as the Institute of Medicine has admitted, MMR vaccines, also one that's cultured off aborted babies, and I mean that literally, the MMR vaccines for use in humans actually causes measles because many of the vaccines contain live viral strains. Vaccine manufacturers is conducted under such poor quality control today that vaccines are routinely shipped out the door containing viable viral strains that often are intact and sometimes even kill their victims. For example, in 2009, Baxter Pharmaceuticals was caught red-handed shipping out live avian flu viruses to 18 countries. I reported on that extensively. What the Texas Department of State Health services workers probably don't yet grasp is that the main vaccine manufacturers routinely use vaccines to spread the very disease they claim to be preventing. Just like the chemo causing a 300% uh, increase incident in, in aggressive tumors after you take it. It's the same thing with this. The vaccines, any medical procedure, any drug, they're all going to have side effects. They're all going to have detrimental things that go along with them. And this is all by design. It's all about control, reoccurring revenue, uh, you being a lifelong medical subject. So, they actually use the vaccines to spread the very disease they claim to be preventing. By injecting live rabies strains into a small percentage of vaccines dropped on Texas, they are effectively engaging in a DNA carpet bombing run that will absolutely guarantee rabies continues to remain endemic throughout the feral animal populations of the state. This, of course, will result in yet more rabies vaccines being purchased to, quote, combat the problem, thereby achieving the goal of the entire scam to sell more vaccines to the government. This airdropping of vaccines over Texas is just part of the militarization of modern medicine 
taking place today. In just the past few months, we've seen the AMA calling for mandatory participation in vaccine trials where you would be, quote, volunteered mandatorily by the government to be injected with an experimental vaccine at threat of arrest. So, yeah, they've, they've actually proposed this now. Uh, we've also seen cases where the police have been called and the CPS workers threaten to take away children from parents who refuse to vaccinate their children. And there's links to every one of these points I'm, I'm bringing up here. So, now, I, a lot, I get questions, okay, well, how do we, how do we avoid this? Well, it may get to the point where, you know, we have some type of pandemic, false flag pandemic, which I've reported on extensively, and they'll say it's mandatory, we don't care what kind of exemption that you may have, and then at that point, you know, you're just going to 100%, which, I mean, we need to be doing that anyway, but 100% rely on the Lord Jesus Christ to, you know, deliver you from a given situation. I, I would rather die than get a vaccine. I mean, who knows at this point what they're really putting in these things. You know, tainted DNA, cultured off aborted babies, all kinds of horrific things in them. The thimerosal with the mercury, the aluminum, the detergents, the polysorbate, I mean, you name it. There are so many horrific things in there. And then all the tainted, with the tainted DNA, plus the um, potential for them to actually use and put microchips in the vaccine themselves Hitachi has a microchip dust that they've had for years and years and years that can be inserted into the vaccine. You'll never even know it's in there. Or microchips put into the end of the needle at the last stage of quality control. And these microchips keep getting smaller and smaller. So you really don't know anymore what... And it's like trusting Satan. Oh, Satan would never do me wrong. He would never inject anything to me that would be detrimental to me, body, soul, or spirit. So, um, again... But for now, regarding some of the more, uh, as far as from legal standpoints, there's a link that you can click on here, how to legally avoid unwanted immunizations of all kinds. This is from Mercola.com. It's going to be near the very, it's probably going to be page like 29 of the 30-page, 30, 31-page PDF that is associated with this teaching on January 22nd, 2012. Uh, So there's that link. So, and then there's also the National Vaccine Information Center, which gives you the state immunization exemption laws, state by state. There's a link to that. There's also the Liberty Council, which um, uh, Matt Staver runs, and he defends a lot of people, particularly on the religious vaccination exemption things. He's an actual attorney, uh, and I give you his phone, his email address, his... uh, post office box, and a link to the site. And then also the next one, uh, oh, actually, that's redundant. I've already got that one. And then the next one is the Immunization Resource Guide, where to find answers to all your questions uh, about childhood vaccinations. So there's another little you know, take on things there that you can look at. And then the last product is just one that I've known about for quite a long time. It's called NDF Plus. It's um, from a company called BioRay. And their website's www.bioray, B-I-O-R-A-Y-2000.com. And, or at least that's to this product. And uh, I have in here, if I could only recommend one product to my patients in regard to dealing with the aftermath of vaccinations, heavy metal exposure, or mercury amalgam dental fillings, this would be the one. They've got a lot of studies they've done, real studies that they've done on, like, children that were autistic and 
pre and post after they've used this product. It helps to get the a lot of the really really toxic metals out of the system, the mercury and these types of things. So it's not it's not exactly cheap, um, but it is probably if you were just going to do one thing, it would be near the top of the list. Uh, there's obviously a lot of different detoxes that you could consider doing. You know, bentonite clay is really good to pull heavy metals out of the body. That's pretty cheap stuff as well. Uh, there's, it's just, it, with that, there's so many things they're doing in the vaccines. There's not any one product, I think, that's going to totally address all issues regarding the aftermath of um, the vaccines. So, let's go further here. Uh, last article. The Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation has already conducted bizarre experiments on genetically engineered mosquitoes that carry vaccines. Well, actually, this isn't the last article. This is a continuation of the article. Uh, so, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation has already conducted bizarre experiments on genetically engineered mosquitoes that carry vaccines to be silently injected into unsuspecting victims. Do you remember hearing about this? And that same foundation could also be invested heavily in a covert vaccination technology that could, for example, vaccinate you with a spray mist used at airport security checkpoints. I mean, they just want to, any way they can get in there to defile us, they're going to they're gonna try to be doing. Uh, as, example, as these examples show, vaccines are increasingly being used in the context of weapons, airdrop, covertly injected, or even forcibly injected at gunpoint. These are signs of a system, and they've done that in Africa. They have done vaccination by gunpoint. I've reported on that in my avian flu presentation that I did back in uh, 06. Uh, so, uh, anyway, let's go further here. Uh, let's see. Where these people are, these are signs of a system of medical medicine that operates like a police state. Where individuals are stripped of their rights and freedoms for the good of society. The individual is sacrificed, in other words, to serve the interests of the state. Such a philosophy is fully consistent with the entire history of the secret government-funded medical experiments against, like the blacks, the Tuskegee Airmen, the also Guatemalans, there's a link here uh, on the Guatemalan prisoner medical experiments, and even criminal medical experiments involving Dr. Jonas Salk and the polio vaccine. There's a link to that article. Here are just a list of a few criminal and inhumane uh, inhuman medical experiments that have been conducted on innocent people by the U.S. government, and there's a link to that. All this adds up to classic eugenics, especially given that vaccines in humans are strongly tied to lifelong infertility, spontaneous abortions, and birth defects. It's all part of the human depopulation agenda that Bill Gates has openly admitted to in his public speeches about reducing world population with the help of vaccines. So, again, it's all about killing us, depopulation, just pure wickedness and evil in every manifestation and form. And that's all we have for today. We actually did get uh, through the 30 pages and uh, really didn't think that was going to be possible with all the audio clips we had. But praise the Lord, we got through it. And uh, we'll go ahead and just end us in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day and this time you've given us for Lord, letting us come together again and to try to expose the unfruitful works of darkness, to have no fellowship with them, Lord God, to expose these devices of Satan. I just pray, God, that your truth and your word would go forth, and that most of all, Lord, that people you know, that would listen to this, and my listeners, that you would use us and the body of Christ mightily to save souls, Lord God, and that the Lord Jesus Christ would be glorified through us, and that you would use us mightily in the days and times to come, that you would forgive us, for any and all sins we've committed, 
as we forgive those who have sinned against us, that you would cleanse us from presumptuous sins and secret faults, that they would not have dominion over us, and that the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart would be pleasing and acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. And we ask all these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.